How's it going today, guys? Once again, we're back here in the studio live for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3 coming at y'all on 420, April 20th, 420, better known as National Smoke Weed Day. And so in honor of the day, I'm going to do my five highest athletes in sports as a little joke to start things off for y'all. So we'll start here with number five. Number five, I got Connor McGregor. You know, I feel like McGregor's a real chill guy. He likes to kick it when he's not beating people's ass in the ring, you know, hang out a little bit, smoke some pot. And you know, MMA can take a big toll on your body. So, I mean, he's got to smoke some pot, relax a little bit, and get that off his body. Coming in hot at number four, I have Tim Lincecum, pitcher. He used to play for uh, San Francisco. I think he might be with Pittsburgh now. Truthfully, I don't even know if he's in the MLB anymore or not. But Lincecum, I mean, y'all have all seen the numbers. When he used to smoke pot, he even said it himself that he was one of the most dominant pitchers in the MLB. And then he quit and he lost his mojo. So, I mean, Tim, it might be time to blaze up a little bit of the Mary Jane boy. And then coming in number three here. I got Julio Jones. You know, we always see Julio hanging out with Gucci Mane, Lil Baby, the Migos. I mean, he's always got a squad of rappers with him. And you know what comes with a squad of rappers is a lot of weed. So Migos, Bus, uh, Bus even got busted not too long ago. And they had like 14 ounces or something like that on there. They had a crazy amount of, or not 14 ounces, like 14 zips or something. I don't know. Some crazy number. But you know Julio stays smoking on that gas with him. Um, number two, got J.R. Smith. Now, I would have J.R. Smith as the number one highest athlete in the sports and honestly Josh Gordon should be up there too but he's sober now so I mean he doesn't really count but I got J.R. Smith. I mean, I don't know if y'all have seen that man's eyes sometimes when he's out there on the court, but they're bloodshot red. I mean, you can't tell me that he's sober out there, and he always plays his best games in Atlanta, and you know what they say, Atlanta's got the best gas, so if we got the best gas, then that means J.R. Smith stays blazing on it because he always balls against the Hawks in the playoffs, so definitely pretty stone right there with J.R. Smith. And number one is Lance Stevenson. Now, we always see Lance Stevenson doing dumb stuff out there on the court. I mean, they can't even put in words to the dumb stuff, like blowing in LeBron's ear and stuff. That man stays high. I mean, he's got to be the highest player in the league, period, out there on the court. Because, I mean, he's blowing in people's ears and always doing stupid stuff, shooting threes that hit the top of the backboard, you know. Lance Stevenson's just dumb, man. I mean, he can't do anything about it. I personally love Lance. I think he's LeBron's best rival. But, you know, he does some dumb stuff sometimes. And my honorable mention is JaVale McGee. I mean, you can't tell me he's not high either. Like, I mean, he does that stupid stuff where he tries to be point guard and stuff. I mean, you got it. got it, man. JaVale McGee is probably extremely extremely stoned out there. So, I mean, we saw on Bleacher Report that it said 85% of the players in the league smokes, and I don't doubt that either. But we'll turn over there from smoking weed to the NBA, which 85% of the players apparently smoke weed. So we'll start things off now with Kevin Durant hurting his ankle last night, and him and Sean Livingston both turned their ankles last night. So Steph also has a two-week setback, and I think this is the Rockets' year, man, is really what it means. I just think there's so many injuries and just so much stuff for Golden State to overcome. I feel like every single day because comes more and more things that Golden State has to overcome. So I definitely feel like this is Houston's year and that it'll help Houston go deeper in the playoffs as long as the injuries happen. I mean, they say Durant's ankle's not that big of a deal, but it really is a big deal. An ankle injury can hurt you a lot, and it's something you can tweak and injure again easily. And I know KD wears those low-top shoes, so I don't know, man. It's 
not looking too good for them or for KD, but I mean, it's going to be a great series. I can't wait to watch it, but like I've been telling you all year, it's Houston's year, baby. It's the outlier seasons. There's always outlier seasons in sports. I feel like Golden State will get back on track and win the title next year and the year after that, but this is the outlier season. It is Houston's year. Y'all can mark it. I said it. Rockets, baby. But move from there now to a team that's disappointed me, and that is the Blazers, man. I mean, what has happened to Damian Lillard? It's definitely not Dame time. I think his watch broke or something before the playoffs because it has not been Dame time a single time in this playoffs. I mean, his playoff high is 20 points. Now, I will say this, man. Playoff Rondo is a different animal. I mean, him and Drew Holiday have been locking Lillard and McCollum up. McCollum's stats are about the same, but I mean, they've done a great job on them, and it's really underrated the job they've done on there. I mean, I'm honestly kind of surprised that they're getting outplayed by this group of guards, but I mean, you got to give it to the Pelicans, man. They lost their second best player and they've still been doing this well, so I mean, it's not necessarily the Blazers being buns. It's just the Pelicans are simply better and they have such great defense. This is another time where it proves that coaching beats good players, like I've been telling y'all. I mean, they're just outcoached him with these with the coaching, but I mean, Damian Lillard's falling off bad. He averages 20, 26.9 per game. He's only averaging 18.3 in the playoffs. Um, he's he's uh, hitting 2.73 pointers as opposed to 3.1 and his field goal percentage is .439 rather than in the playoffs it's .327 which is pretty bad I mean he's attempting pretty much the same amount of field goals as he does in the regular season but it's a whole like 100 percentage lower I mean that's not good man I mean that's what the problem's been is they frustrated Dame forced him to take bad shots and he's been missing a lot of shots and it's just been killing the Blazers I mean he is the engine that runs the Blazers and without him the train can't go so unless that he picks it up I mean it's been pretty hard to come back down three games already I don't think they can do it I'll go ahead and put a fork in him but it's really been what it is and I mean shout out to the Pelicans for shutting him down but going along with that I mean the 76ers the process came back and it's over with the process before I say that I'm talking about players who disappeared in a series I mean what happened to Hassan Whiteside man like I thought the Hassan Whiteside was a beast like I really did think he was one of the better players in the league but if you look at Hassan Whiteside He's playing about 13 minutes per game in the playoffs. And this is coming from their best player. He hasn't played more than 15 minutes a game in this series. He's averaging three points per game, like three points per game. Come on now. I mean, Miami's going to have to throw him out there with the process coming back. He's the only player that can guard him. And the thing that's killed Whiteside is the fact that he doesn't play well when teams go small. I mean, these small ball lineups just kill him. And I mean, that's something he's going to have to do because when they go small, you got to be able to dominate or you got to get off the floor, which we've seen been happening. And they need him to D up Embiid because, I mean, like I've been telling you all, Embiid is a dog. He's one of the hardest players in the league to guard and stop. And unless Whiteside's ready to D him up, then he's not going to be able to stop in one bit, so they're going to need to do something here. I mean, Philadelphia, though, looks amazing, guys, with Embiid in the lineup. That game was close, and then they went on that huge run to end the game last night. I'm very impressed with the 76ers now. I think they would destroy Cleveland in a seven-game series. The Raptors, on the other hand, personally, I don't even know if Cleveland can get past the Pacers, guys. Like... It's not looking good for Cleveland with this Kevin Love thumb injury, and he's your number two. Now, a lot of people trash Kevin Love, but Kevin Love's a beast, y'all. And without him, LeBron cannot do it by himself. I don't know if they can beat the Pacers, truthfully. I can't confidently sit here and say they can. I want to think they can because it's LeBron James, but LeBron had pretty much the most LeBron-esque game you can have. I mean, you can't ask for more than almost a triple-double and 46 points to go with it. That's basically half a hundred and a triple-double. I mean, you can't ask for much more than LeBron to win the game by three points on a night where Indiana didn't play very well. I mean, it's not looking good for you over in Cleveland. So they need Kevin Love to somehow play through this injury and still be good because, I mean, he was awful in that game the other night, but I think that's what it was. But 
Cleveland needs a number two player to step up. I mean, it's got to be Clarkson or Hood, I think. They need scoring, and they need it desperately, so they're going to have to find something there, but it's not looking good for Cleveland right now, but I definitely think the Raptors can beat uh, Cleveland for sure. I don't give Cleveland a chance versus Toronto. I like Toronto in five, maybe six, just because LeBron has their number a little bit. And then versus the 76ers, I think they have the big men to slow down Embiid. I wouldn't say stop him because, I mean, like like I've been saying, there's players that are unguardable in the league and Embiid's one of them. So, I mean, they can slow him down with that. And I think DeRozan and uh, Lowry can cook a little bit. But, I mean, DeRozan and Lowry, I mean, they haven't been great in the playoffs. But they've been good so far this playoffs. At least DeRozan's shown out. Lowry's a little shaky in the playoffs. So we all know about his struggles, but I feel like it's Toronto's year to get the finals. And like I said, it's the outlier year. We're going to have no LeBron or Golden State in the finals. That's my hot take of the day for y'all. No LeBron or Golden State in the finals. I don't see it happening. I don't think it'll happen. I mean, that's just the way I feel about it. I know a lot of other people think differently. I feel like... Like I've been saying, too many injuries for OKC, and Cleveland just doesn't have anything besides LeBron. I think it's going to be uh, Raptors-Rockets finals, and I think the Rockets will beat them in six games. So that's my, as of today, that's what I think. Now, Cleveland still has time to fix things. Don't get me wrong. The book hasn't closed yet. Nothing's written off. I mean, I can't, like thoroughly put a fork in them, but I mean, unless Cleveland finds another score, it's over for them. So Cleveland got to find something, man. I'm excited to watch these games tonight. Tons of big games tonight. I mean, I think the Raptors will jump out to a 3-0 lead tonight. I think that the Pacers are going to beat the Cavs tonight, and I think the Bucks will get a little revenge on the Celtics. I mean, the Bucks aren't done. I think they have the best chance at turning around a series out of all these teams, them and the Cavs for sure. But I mean, like I said, guys, we need to see more from the Cavs. I want to see Giannis get buckets tonight, and I want to see somebody actually help him. They need some big three-pointers from Middleton or somebody else, and they need to put Rozier and Morris to an end. I mean, they got to let them stop scoring on them like they have been. They need to D them up. I mean, Morris looks great out there. Jalen Brown, too. Jason Tatum. I mean, this is a Celtics team that, even though they're missing their two best players, really isn't that bad. So, lots of good stuff to watch tonight. We got three games all on the ESPN Family Network. So, tune in and see what's going on there. All right, guys. So, now I'm bringing Jeremy Kuhn back to the show. Kuhn, say what's up to the people once again. Hey, what's up, guys? Back again for the second day in a row. Uh, going to bring some hot takes at you. You're going to see what the Hawks are up to this season and next season. Yeah, so we'll get right into it. Um, I'm first off. I want to say I'm very disappointed in the way the NBA tiebreakers went. The NBA screwed us twice in one day. We now have the fourth pick because we lost the tiebreaker with the Mavs, or we have the fourth best odds. I mean, to get the first pick, and we get the 19th pick because the Spurs Timberwolves, Timberwolves had a little tiebreaker. Spurs got the 18th, and we got the 19th. So the NBA found two ways to screw us in the same day, and then we had Coach Bud go off and take an interview with the Suns. So basically, three uh, strikes against the Hawks in one day. It's been a rough couple weeks. I mean, we had the being sued against white racism, and we have Dennis Schroeder, and we have just how awful the season went. So it's pretty much a dumpster fire right now in Atlanta. So let's bring a little bit of light to what we th- yeah. what we can. If you're, if you're a Hawks fan, I mean, what what's going on right now? You know, like this is a season where at the beginning of the season, hey, we're not going to tank. Then 10 games in, hey, we actually are going to tank. It's pretty obvious. Um, but then we, we just couldn't get out of our own way. You know, we had Shooter putting up 40-point triple-doubles when we were needing to lose games. and beat the Kings with a 40-point triple-double. The ass-eating Kings that ended up getting a better pick than us. And then you you got fans wanting to trade Schroeder. I'm not sure about that. I mean, I, the only way I see trading Dennis at this point, uh, I mean, he's got the legal trouble, so that's going to impact it a little bit right now. Um, the only way I see him trading him is trying to get some kind of package, maybe trading him and the Timberwolves or the Houston pick for maybe another top 10 pick. Because, I mean, Dennis is a 20-point, 9-assist type point guard. You know, he's young. 
I mean, what what more do you want from him? You know, he's one of the best Hawks draft picks of all time, really. If you look at it yeah, that way, I mean, other bad. than Horford and maybe early Josh Smith, he's pretty much the most productive draft pick we've ever Jeff had. Teague was decent. Je- one, yeah, yeah. Teague is great for sure. But uh, I mean, you got to really think about what do you want if you get rid of Schroeder. And I think the only thing I would take for that is getting two top ten picks because you you got to replace him with someone. Yeah, no, I definitely think if we could move Schroeder in those two picks and get another top ten pick, it'd be real nice. I mean, maybe like I like I said in yesterday's podcast, where the where the Celtics have to choose to pay Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, and they're going to choose Tatum. I would love to see Jalen Brown come over to Atlanta and come back home. I mean, I feel like he's a guy who's shown he's got a lot of potential. I think the Hawks need to find themselves with all the cap space. We have a young free agent we can pay a lot of money to that we can try to develop. I mean, we have John Collins and Prince who have proven that their piece is moving forward. So, I mean, I definitely think there's things that we can do here with this team. We just have to figure out what we don't want to do. And so, I mean, we really need this pick to land in the top four. It said it can go top top seven. Two would be the best. <laughs> yeah, no. One or two is the best because then we're for sure getting Aiton or Donkic. I yeah. mean, at three we can still get Bagley, but I mean, at four, do we really want Jaron Jackson Jr.? And I right. say no. We don't need a defensive player. See, uh, my my takeaway right now is <clears throat> my, my ideal situation is Hawks landing one or two, and if we get Aiton, I think we got to trade Schroeder at that point, trade up and get someone like a Michael Porter Jr. type uh, who could be, you know, potentially a great scorer. People are calling him Jason Tatum 2.0. Yeah. Um, if we get Donkic, I'm really feeling like trading up and getting someone like Bamba or Bagley type. Oh, yeah. Um, to go along with Collins. I love Torian Prince. Uh, I mean, he's... By ruining the tank, Torian Prince showed us how good of a player he's going to be. I mean, yeah, he went off the last two weeks of the season. Yeah, I was, was like draining, threes. pulling my hair out. I'm yeah. like, dude, bench this guy, invent an injury like we did for Baysmore and Shooter. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, oh, Baysmore suddenly had a knee bruise when he realized we we're about to lose our picks. Yeah, um, honestly, we should have invented injuries for Dennis and Prince and let Baysmore go out there oh, and play. Baysmore would have Baysmore would have yeah. tanked it up for us easily if we let him let yeah, him run point. Bays, man. I love yeah, it. I've never seen anybody start a game and play 26 minutes and do it multiple times in one season and scores zero points. Uh, like, yeah, no doubt. That's what I'm saying. Baysmore straight shoots. And then, and then the same guy, you know, Baysmore starts point after doing that. And then one game, I remember him getting back-to-back steals with full-court dunks to win a game and in the clutch time. Like, 20 seconds left in the game, he goes full-court back-to-back plays. Yeah. You remember that game I'm when we came... I'm just, like, pulling my hair out. You remember that fourth-quarter game when we came back on the Cavs and he got that steal yes. and break away and he almost missed the I open layup? Like, dude... <laughs> But Baysmore, I mean, you know, sure, we did overpay him. Uh, I still think he's a decent player overall. But, I mean, obviously, he's not your guy or anything. But yeah. he's a solid tank commander. I wish we'd invented an injury for Schroeder earlier in the season other than the last two weeks. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Collins, man. Collins is a real athlete. I'd love to see him get some uh, some extra touch this offseason, maybe work with Olajuwon like LeBron did. Something like that. Uh, if he works with a great, gets a good, nice shooting coach. I mean, Collins is going to be a force. Yeah, no, I definitely think Collins is a force. A lot of people question his defensive paralysis. I mean, it would be tough if we had go up against teams with Embiid's and stuff like that. But, I mean, I definitely think Collins could get boards for us. I mean, like you said, I think no matter what trading Dennis at least ensures that we're really bad the next season because mm-hmm. we'll have a ton of inexperienced players. I'd love to see us get a guy like Colin Sexton or Trey Young. Yeah, I was going to say that, actually. What do you think about them? Yeah, see, I would love to split with a Sexton or Trey Young who I think will be a franchise point guard in the future. I mean, I think both of them could thrive in 
Bud system. And if we lose Bud, I've heard Mark, names like Mark Jackson linked to Atlanta, which is another great point guard system guy. Because, I mean, I'm a big believer that all the, if you want to win championships, you're going to have to get a lot of production from your point guard. You need one who can shoot threes. I mean, Dennis isn't bad necessarily. I think we could still win one with Dennis, but, I mean, like we need two stacked-up wings. And I just feel like if we get back in the top ten with making a trade with Dennis, that is if everything's okay in the court because nobody's going to trade with him if it's not, that I feel like we can get us a point guard who puts us in a better situation to win and we can get us another like wing player, a big man that yeah. gets us better. I mean, Dennis, to me, I mean, it's hard to say is stealing right now because he's so young, but just off hot takes, I, I almost think Dennis is a guy that I could see being the sixth man of the year on the championship team. You know, like I'm not yeah. sure he's your starting point guard. I'd love if we were able to snag eight and a number one, I would love to trade up and get, you know, Sexton or Trey Young. I think Trey Young mm-hmm. will be better than people some people think. You know, some people have a thing against his defense, against his size, but you know, you got guys like Seth Curry, undersized, you know, not not exactly great defenders, but they, they still they're still a force. And uh, I really like Sexton. I think Sexton is almost like a, a Westbrook type, you know, just yeah. the way he plays. I mean, I would love to see Aiden and West or Aiden and Sexton. Um, if we get Donkic, you know, I'd love to snag a Bamba type guy for center, or maybe uh, Michael Porter Jr. Just because he's such a good, lengthy talent. Um, I think that changes our rotation up a little bit if we do get him. But um, yeah, Bagley or Bamba type would be nice to go with Donkic if we snag him. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. Donkic, I think, is the best pick. Period in the draft. I mean, Donkic is a guy. He runs shooting guard and point guard. He's the majority ball handler from Real Madrid. I mean, he's so young, and he's out there playing in a league full of men. He's basically playing in the next best league besides the yeah. NBA, and he's out there absolutely dominating. He's like third in the league in scoring, and I've watched tons of videos. There's this guy on YouTube. He's really good. I can't think of his name right now, but you can literally watch all highlights in-game from from uh, Donkic. And, I mean, Donkic has got good hands, man. Like, he's good at getting steals and stuff. He can shoot the ball. He reminds me a lot of Kobe. He likes to do that little back-down shoulder shake and then yeah. Yeah, hit the um, I, I think there's a legit argument to be made too for the physicality of, of Europe ball right now. Uh, I think Donga just playing people that maybe play just as physical, if not more physical at times, defense than some of the people in the NBA. You know, there's a you know. There's some outrage about how the... So before today's lightning round, I want to talk a little NFL, and this is my hot take for the NFL draft. All five, all four of the big quarterbacks will be off the board in the top five picks, and my reasoning being behind that is, so the Browns' number one and four pick are both for sale. Teams can trade up and take those. Personally, I think the Browns will get Sam Darnold at number one. I've had a lot of people tell me, a lot of sources saying Sam Darnold going at number one, so I think it's going to go Darnold at one. Then at number two, you have the Giants, which is a huge question mark. I mean, I think... If that they are able to get Des Bryant, they need to use the pick and go win now and get Quan Barkley, who we all know is going to be a stud. But if that, but if they don't sign Des Bryant, I think they need to go ahead and trade the pick, trade back, acquire more picks, acquire more assets, trade with a team like Buffalo or New England. Buffalo and New England both have two first round picks, so watch out for them to move up. And we all know Buffalo's quarterback hungry, and we all know this story about Brady oh, not officially committed to the season, even though I'm telling you guys, Tom Brady will be back. He's not going out on a loss. He's too cocky. He wants to be the best player ever. There's no possible way Brady goes out on a loss. But both these two teams can easily trade up and get this number two pick, which I think is the best move here.
injured for the Giants, so we'll see what happens there. Then at number three, the uh, Jets already traded up, so you know they're going for a quarterback no matter what. I mean, like I told y'all, I thought it was stupid that they traded up when they already have Gina or not Geno Smith, um, Teddy Bridgewater and McCown at quarterback. So I'm definitely not a fan of it, but but hey, man, go for it if you're the Jets and you like one of these prospects that much. I mean, e- easily one of these guys can change their franchise. Personally, I think the Bills trade up and they take Josh Allen, and then we see Rosen go at three. So that leaves one quarterback on the board. I think the Browns keep that number four pick and they draft Saquon Barkley right there, which I think is the best move. And then at number five, I think that pick will be traded away by Denver. I'm not sure where, and that's where Baker Mayfield will go. So, I mean, I think all four of these QBs are going in there. It may not exactly happen like that, but one way or another, we'll see all four of the big QBs go within the top five and they'll all be off the board. But I'm excited for the draft. I got tons of stuff for y'all next week. Next week, I'm going to have analysis of every uh, division in the NFL and what they need and what they've gotten and what they need to, to take their team to the next level next season. So got lots of good NFL draft stuff coming for y'all. Trust me, we'll hammer it along with these NBA playoffs. But let's move on now to today's lightning round. And so the first thing for today's lightning round is the Falcons schedule. We have eight games versus teams that were in the playoffs last season. And Dallas is no joke. And same thing with Tampa Bay's always coming every single year. I mean, I'm a Florida State fan. I think James Winston sucks. He can't take care of the ball. I and mean, you can't take care of the ball in the NFL. You aren't going to win games. That's just frankly how it happens. That's the way it is. And they have no run game. So I'm not that high on Tampa Bay, honestly. But I mean, they're still a respectable opponent. And the NFC South is the hardest division to play in in the NFL, and nobody gives the Falcons enough credit down there in the division. Now, we do all beat up on each other a little bit, but it is what it is. I mean, I'm excited, though. The Falcons are opening the season versus the Eagles. Make them start the season out 0-1. Yes, I'm calling it right now. Falcons win that first game of the season. I feel good about it. I mean, I just like this team. I think we're going to do big things in the draft. If we can uh, meet our uh, what we need in the draft, then I think we'll be fine and good to go there, but it's going to be a great season. I mean, we got a Thanksgiving Day game. I've been begging for one for years, so I'm so happy they put Falcons and Saints on there. NFL can watch one of the best rivalries in the league right there, so it's a great schedule for the Falcons. I go to a lot of home games, so I'm excited to go to watch them play a bunch of times, but Hey, man, I'm excited for it. And, and the second thing we're hitting on today's lightning round, there's only two today, is the hot Red Sox. They're 16-2 and two right now. I mean, it's no joke how they got here. They lead the MLB in uh, most hitting categories and pitching. I mean, they're top three in almost all the pitching one. They lead the MLB in runs and hits. I mean, those things all add up to being a great team. I mean, their run differential right now is off the charts. It's a long season, though. We need to stay hot. Um, I definitely think they have an MVP candidate and Mookie Betts on their team. He's number one in war and to hit batting average, actually. So, I mean, that's always what you want to see out of your best player. He's also has six home runs, which is up there as well. I mean, they got tons of young talent on this team with Rafael Devers. They got and Benatendi. I mean, Eduardo Nunez, Jackie Bradley Jr., solid. Um, Hanley Ramirez, J.D. Martinez, and, and uh, Xander Bogarts, who's on the DL right now. We all know what they can all do. They can all hit the ball. I mean, they've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven hitters all hitting over 300. So, I mean... Fenway is a hitter's park, so you know they're always going to hit the ball well there. But, I mean, hey, man, if the Red Sox can keep it up, who knows what they can do. I said I thought the Yankees and the Astros, it was a two-team race between them. But the Red Sox are making a good bid here for it to be a three-team race. And same thing with the Angels. So, great season for baseball, great season for everything. I'm excited to watch it all play out. But this concludes today's uh, podcast. Once again, big thanks to Jeremy Coombe for hopping on again. I'm going to have him on again next week. i got lots of guests to come on and talk about the draft for y'all. All kinds of stuff. Y'all know I'm in here working hard, so just keep listening. And that concludes this week's grouping of podcasts. I got more coming next week. So till then, see y'all.
Yeah. Take it out the bank, go put it up. Got my main hole put up. Straight off the lot, go put it up. My last two foreigns put up. Straight out the bank, go put it up. Everybody hood gon' put up. I got them on the end of the rises. The home and I ran with the dinosaurs. Every week I change my clouds. Gotta fend this store in my house. Gotta build a garage in my house. Gotta wash up my wrist cause a house. My bitch can't sleep in my house. Make a sleep at the hotel now. And when you talk me, you talking on cap. And your diamonds ain't looking like tap. I was always looking for the pouch. Keep an army bitch my lap.